It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. But it's my privilege to bring in Mike Morell. He is the former acting and deputy director of the CIA. And he's got a great pod t- a podcast, and that podcast is called Intelligence Matters, and he joins us now. Uh, Mike, welcome back. Brian, it is fantastic to be with you again. I've always enjoyed being on your show. Well, I appreciate it. We've been rolling your sound bites against your will for the last few days to get your assessment on this unprecedented situation. Michael, if I went to you July 15th and I said, it looks like we're really getting out of Afghanistan, uh, do you think we'll do it smoothly? What would you have said? I would have said, you know, based on not talking to the folks I was talking to, um, on July 15th, I would have said, yeah, this will go smoothly because they've had months to prepare for this, right? The preparation actually should have started um, before the president made his decision. Um, but once the president made the decision in April, um, there should have been a, a significant, rigorous, um, all-of-government process to do the two things that we had to do in the short run, right, which is get our own people out, get all the Americans out, whether government or non-governmental, and then get those Afghans who worked closely with us and whose lives will be in danger going forward, get them out, right? Um, and, you know, that didn't happen. Not close. Uh, Not even Ma- close. Michael, it looks like there, there's uh, thousands of Americans still in Kabul. I worry about the ones outside Kabul. And it looks as though, if the reports are right, we heard this morning, the Taliban is beginning to ring themselves around the airport. And we only have 3,500 on the ground. We're supposed to get up to eight. Where do they go? How do they land? What do they do if the Taliban don't get out of the way? So, Brian, the Taliban want us gone, right? So the last thing that they want to do is to do anything that's going to keep us there. So... It's a worst case scenario of them attacking us. It's not something that you can not worry about and you have to prepare for it. But um, from a strategic level, right, they don't want to do that. Um, My concern is that they don't control everybody who works for them, right? They don't control every Taliban soldier. So somebody might take matters into their own hands um, and start shooting at Americans. But from a strategic perspective, the Taliban want us out of there. So they want to do everything they can to to not give the United States of America a reason to stay. True. But we've been wrong about so much to this point. You would think logically that would be the case. I'm not sure it is the case, but it doesn't seem the military thinks that's the case. I mean, why would they, if they want us out, why would they stop us from leaving the airport? Well, I, I think they're encircling the airport to make sure that none of those U.S. troops leave that area, right? Um, in the back of their minds, the, 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 the low probability scenario in their mind is that these troops aren't just here to help people get out. These troops are going to turn on us, right? And the more that they have that idea in their mind, the greater the risk to those troops. So I think they're encircling the airport – um, not to prevent people from getting in, because they want people to leave, um, but they're they're preventing U.S. forces from getting out. That's that's what they're there for. 
So uh, right now, uh, the it seems though, if you look at uh, Josh Rogan's uh, column today in his in his uh, Twitter account, there's real concerns for the Washington Post, New York Times, and others that there's a pathway to get to the airport. And I worry about those in the uh, on the outer sections of the city as well as those allied with us. What do you do right now if you're head of the CIA? So if I'm head of the CIA, I'm concerned at this moment about one thing. So if you think about the hundreds of thousands of Afghans that worked for the United States over the last 20 years, and that's not an exaggeration in terms of what the number is. You know, they worked for the U.S. military. They worked for the State Department. And, yes, they worked for CIA. Um, Of the ones that I really worry about are the ones that worked for my former organization. There will be no leniency toward them. So if I was the director of the CIA, I'd be spending 24-7 trying to figure out how to get our friends, those people that worked for us for 20 years, those people who didn't want to stop fighting. I was actually talking with one of them over the weekend. He wanted to continue to fight. Those are the people, those are the people who you know, work for us, the ones who were patriotic about Afghan's future. Right? I'd be doing everything I could, Brian, to get as many of those people out of the country because they're going to get rounded up and they're going to be brutally murdered. We're already seeing some ugly scenes. I saw these uh, two men walking through the street. They had hot tar in their faces. They had a noose around their neck that was in Herat. You can see those pictures are being circulated now. So, Michael, you, you answered Richard Engelback today, who's a fine reporter for another network. He says the failure to anticipate the rapid fall of Afghanistan, including Kabul, is a U.S. intelligence failure. You said what is happening in Afghanistan is not the result of an intelligence failure. So bring us inside the numbers. You know, we see what the president decided. We don't know what he's been briefed on and what he's been warned on. What do you know? So I don't know exactly what the intelligence community told him prior to his decision, right? And that's the important moment, is before he made his decision in April, did the intelligence community say two years? Um, Or did they say three to six months? Or did they say nine months? Um, I'm hearing they said 90 days. So So the important question, Brian, is when does the clock start? Um, I think most people think the clock starts when the last combat boot leaves the ground. Not true. The clock started in April when the president made the decision because that's when everybody's psychology changed, right? That's when the Taliban knew it was going to win. That's when the Taliban started encircling provincial capitals. That just didn't happen in the last few weeks, right? That started in April, and that's when the Afghan national security forces started falling apart. There were people, you know, deserting in small numbers prior to April. But when the president made the announcement in April is when people started deserting in droves, either going home or joining the Taliban because they knew the writing was on the wall. Right. And I am certain I don't I don't know for, you know, but I'm certain the intelligence community saw all that. So if they said three to six months, And the clock starts in April. Not too bad, huh? Not too bad. Um, If you start the clock, you know, 10 days ago, then it looks worse. But I also think that yesterday the president's speech was interesting to me for a lot of reasons. But one of those reasons was he essentially 
took the intelligence community off the hook. Although he said, you know, we thought this would take a little longer. He also said we were prepared for every contingency, right? Um, including a very rapid deterioration. So no matter what the intelligence community said, he said yesterday they were prepared for this. Well, if this is being prepared for something, I'd like to know what not being prepared looks like. So what you're saying, hey, Intel told you, we can't tell you how to get ready, but we'll tell you what will happen. So you yeah. leave them off the hook. As an American, yeah. you're horrified. But as an intelligence expert, you're saying, what else do you want us to do? And I feel bad. Yeah. In fact, I talked to somebody that talked to Gina Haspel, and evidently she was so incensed on Sunday that she says, I feel like calling a press conference to set the record straight. Um, yeah, so, and, that's, and that's what I was trying to do, right? And, 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 and two other things I'll tell you, right, about the intelligence piece of this is the intelligence community for the last 20 years has been more pessimistic than any other organization in the U.S. government about how this was going and whether victory was possible. So to blame intelligence now um, infuriates me, absolutely infuriates me. The other thing I'll tell you is that in early 2013, when I was acting director the second time, um, we were having a series of meetings with President Obama um, about what the troop level should be in Afghanistan. And he was the one, who, just I, to remind everybody, he had one time with General Petraeus, first McChrystal, then Petraeus, when McChrystal was forced to resign, took over, and he said that's the good war. And he did a surge, but he pulled out troops before they could ever hit their maximum and hold. And he also gave it an exit date. Go ahead. Right. Absolutely. Um, but 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 I did a prep session for 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 one of these NSC meetings. And I had all these Afghan experts in my office and I asked them, guys, if we leave, how long, how long will it take? And the two guys in the room who had spent more time in Afghanistan than anybody else. Two guys who had each spent two tours as our chief of station there both said this is going to go really fast, six months. And I've been saying that ever since. I said it in testimony last year to the U.S. Congress. A couple of things. How do you feel? What does it make you – what do you think about the fact that the Bo Bergdahl swap of uh, the, the Taliban five, uh, one of which is now heading up Afghanistan – and right. the other got out, and the one that got out basically worked with bin Laden uh, for a while, and he was, in, uh, he was a higher-up. He was told basically too dangerous to release. He was released. Now he's running uh, the Taliban government, and you have another guy who lies, said, I just want to take care of my dad. I'm a shopkeeper. He's also involved in the Taliban government. How did they get out of Gitmo? So this was the desire by the Obama administration to go to zero in Gitmo, right? So they were doing everything they could to find other countries willing to take the folks who were at Gitmo. Um, and of course, it, certain people, it gets really hard. But for these five, right, they got the agreement of um, Qatar, you know, to take them and to make sure that they weren't involved um, in, you know, combat operations in any way, Um or raising money in any way, right? I don't know to what extent that worked because I left, you know, soon after they they were released. Um, but that was the idea. Um, you know, you can argue uh, whether that was a good idea or a bad idea. You can. It's a terrible it idea does, for Bo Bergdahl, does, a deserter. It does. It does. Brian raise the really important question about where does Al Qaeda go from here? And my my deep concern is that. The Taliban will welcome Al-Qaeda back. In fact, yep. 
the Taliban, Al Qaeda is already there, right? The Taliban says they're not. They are. They've been fighting side by side for 20 years. They've spilled blood together. They've intermarried. They will be there. And the Al Qaeda guys who are currently in Iran, um, I would guess, are going to join the Al Qaeda guys in Afghanistan. And Al Qaeda guys in other parts of the world are going to come back to Afghanistan. They're going to have a celebration of defeating the United States. And they're going to start rebuilding, reconstituting their attack capability. And, you know, I've heard people in this administration on the Hill say, oh, two years to three years for them to rebuild that capability. No, I'd say six to 12 months if we don't do what we need to do. What we need to do now is pay extraordinarily close attention to them from an intelligence perspective. And when they start to rebuild those capabilities, reach out and degrade them. Here is uh, here is what um, obviously Green Beret Congressman Michael Waltz fought in Afghanistan for years. Cut twenty five. This is one of the greatest disasters in modern American history. This is a disaster on humanitarian grounds for women and minorities. <clears throat> it's a disaster for our credibility. Can you imagine what people in Taiwan? or Ukraine are thinking right now, watching this unfold. And the biggest thing, Sean, it's a disaster for our counterterrorism. America is less safe. Al-Qaeda 3.0 will come roaring back. Al-Qaeda and the Taliban are absolutely married at the hip. But this time, when we go back in, the Taliban are going to be better armed with taxpayer-funded equipment. We have no bases in the region, and we have no local allies because they've all been hunted down. Is he overstating anything? No. Um, And I'd say, look, we have made so many mistakes in Afghanistan over a very long period of time, including prior to 9-11. We've made so many mistakes, and I'm worried that we're about ready to make yet another one. So think of all the mistakes we've made just in the past few weeks, right? Um, I'm worried that we're going to make another one, and I'm worried that with our focus on China being as significant as it needs to be, we're not going to have the resources to focus on Afghanistan and the rebirth of al-Qaeda 3.0. And so I'm deeply concerned that they will regenerate a homeland attack capability, and we will be right back to where we were on September 10th, 2001, but with that better armed Taliban that the congressman talks about. Uh, Michael Morrell, you can get his uh, podcast, and I hope you do, Intelligence Matters. Uh, and we can get it wherever you get your podcast. Michael, always great to talk to you. We, I wish we did need your expertise uh, as much as we do, but we do. Thanks so much, Michael. Great to be with you, Brian. Take right. care. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.